0: welcome back to disputes digest it's the week of february 14 2022 happy valentine's day i'm chris campbell don't forget to follow tales of the tribunal on linkedin to stay up to date with news around the international dispute resolution field and if you haven't already take a moment to share the show with a friend or colleague and look you guys have been doing a great job of that we've gotten great. Responses to this new round of Disputes Digest. I can't wait to share even more content with you. And of course, we have a fantastic season for coming for you in the next couple of months. In any case, if you have any feedback for the show, drop us a line at tales of the tribunal at gmail.com. And you already know the drill. Don't forget to leave us a review, it helps people find the show. Now, let's get in. First, let's start with some Olympics news as the Court of Arbitration for Sport issues a ruling in the case of Russian figure skater, Kamila Valieva. The ad hoc division of the Court of Arbitration for Sport, or CAS, following three applicants challenging the decision issued by the RUSADA Disciplinary Anti-Doping Committee on 9th of February, 2022, in which the provisional suspension imposed on Valieva followed the detection of the banned substance tryptomedazine in a sample provided by her was lifted, allowing for her to continue her participation in the Beijing Winter Olympics. The tribunal's ruling was based on a very limited set of facts in this case, and after consideration of the relevant legal issues and the totality of the circumstances, the tribunal came to its conclusion. First, that the athlete is a protected person because she is a minor, as defined by the World Anti-Doping Code. Second, that the applicable anti-doping rules and the WADC are silent about repercussions for violations under these circumstances. And third, third, the panel considered a fundamental principle of equity such as fairness or irreparable harm and proportionality, especially considering the fact that the athlete will still be subject to sanctions as a result. And finally, the CAS panel emphasized there were serious issues of untimely notification of the results of her positive results, considering that she apparently tested positive in December 2021, and this matter was only now being raised some two months later. This matter is settled for now, but it will be interesting to see how Ms. Valieva performs in her remaining competitions, and if there will be any more controversies that arise related to her participation. Then let's head just south of Beijing to Hong Kong, where a local court refused to enforce an arbitral award on the basis of fraud and collusion grounds. The matter involves parties that were operating within the timber business in concert until disputes arose among them back in 2017. ST is an individual and one of the two directors of the similarly named Sun Fang. On the other hand, NL is a company majority shareholder is DL, and DL is the second director, along with ST of the respondent company named Sunfeng. Got all that? Okay, let's have some fun, pun intended. ST's wife and DL's wife are sisters, and ST and his wife were the only full-time employees for respondent. The disputes apparently arose when their family members disagreed about making further financial commitments and loans with relation to respondent. Claimant, a newly formed company, then came on the scene and in fact was a company of only three months in age at the time of the transaction, which entered into a contract with Respondent for the sale of some $3.1 million of marble, which was approximately 62 times greater than the Respondent's entire sales revenue at the time and stipulated a stiff penalty clause of $315,000 per day that the marble was delayed. The respondent failed to deliver the marble as required by the contract for one month, thus requiring damages of almost exactly the entire contract amount. The claimant then filed for an arbitration and was granted an award in the value of the contractual penalties. And the respondent promptly began winding up the company. Anything sounding odd here? Remember NI? One of the shareholders, but not one of the family members who would have been the beneficiary if respondent had received those funds. Ni and the other shareholder, DL, only became aware of this series of events after the arbitral award had been issued. As such, they petitioned the court to have the award set aside for fraud and collusion. Upon further investigation, a number of things were revealed. First, that there was no valid arbitration agreement by which the tribunal could have had jurisdiction. Second, that the marble contract was apparently self-dealing on behalf of ST and the family members, and that the award should be set aside so that the court might properly adjudicate the dispute. This story has many twists and turns, but it's worth reading up on. Quite the corporate family soap opera. Before we head to the next story, let's take a brief step back from the news and talk about something I think many of you may be interested in. The ABA International Arbitration Skills Masterclass, which is in its second year, the ABA International Law Section invites the listeners to the International Arbitration Skills Masterclass. It's a two day hands on virtual training program delivered by some of the world's best international arbitration lawyers. The masterclass, which is aimed primarily at junior to mid-level practitioners, will comprise a mixture of panel discussions and practice sessions covering all aspects of an arbitral hearing, opening statements, examination of witnesses, examination of experts, and closing statements. World-leading international arbitration practitioners and arbitrators will share their experiences and advise on how to deliver powerful oral submissions and effectively examine witnesses. There will also be a session on top tips for making an impact in a hearing. After each panel discussion, the participants will have an opportunity to develop their advocacy and witness examination skills through practice sessions in groups of up to four participants. Each practice session will be supervised by an experienced faculty member who will provide participants with tailored feedback. Following the success of the inaugural 2021 edition of Masterclass, the 2022 edition will feature one innovation, Mock Arbitral Hearing Demonstration, which will see two leading practitioners demonstrate a variety of strategies and techniques by delivering oral submissions and cross-examining experienced experts. The event will also provide an excellent networking opportunity and include some virtual networking. We'll include a link to the show notes and hope to see you there. I'll be moderating one of the sessions with some familiar faces from the show. Then we head back to the news, and the news this time is more of the announcement of an event that's forthcoming. It's a sidebar in the form of the Australian Center for International Commercial Arbitration, hosting an event focused on under 45 practitioners. This event and others in the series are aimed at helping junior practitioners or those trying to establish themselves in the field learn some of the tricks of the trade. The organizers write, this panel will kick off the series aimed at demystifying the science or art of building a profile as an international arbitration practitioner. Whether that be as a lawyer, barrister, arbitrator, academic, or a combination of these roles, the speakers will be addressed by regarded practitioners in the field, Dr. Vicki Priskich, Dr. Benjamin Hayward, hey Ben, and Chad Catterwell. The conversation will be moderated by Chris Holland and Imogen Kinney. We'll include a link to register in the show notes. Next, some great news is one of my favorite shows and one that has brought some really new and fun energy into the space. My Arbitration returns for Season 2 of its video series, which features sit-down conversations with figures from around the international arbitration space on current trends and topics in the field. The host is a friend of the show, Victoria Pernt, and Season 2 has just gone live. We'll include a link in the show notes, so head over to the website or check out the link below to show it Some Love. And Victoria, i will have to find a moment to get you over in the digital studio sometime. Finally, let's talk about this massive story out of the United States in the case of Brian Flores versus the NFL. In an explosive lawsuit filed on February 1st, former Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores alleges that he and other qualified black minority candidates are routinely held to higher standards. Rejected and not considered at all for coaching jobs and other leadership roles in the national football Although around 58% of the NFL players are black and another 12% identify as multiracial, Latino, or other persons of color There was only one black head coach remaining in the NFL Firing Flores's firing That was until Houston Texans decided to hire Lovie Smith thus doubling the number. Flores claims that the Dolphins fired him despite a strong record and two years left in his contract, indeed providing winning seasons in contradiction to the Dolphins' recent football history. He goes further to allege that Dolphins owner Stephen Ross offered to pay him $100,000 purposely to lose games and violating the league's anti-tampering rules and pressuring him to poach another team's quarterback. All of this is before we even mention the fact that Flores was interviewing for head coaching job at the New York Giants, except he really wasn't. Days before his interview with the Giants, Flores received text messages from another NFL head coach congratulating him on winning the job, only to realize the coach had meant the text message from another candidate, also named Brian. Flores still attended the interview knowing full well that the job had already been given to someone else and was promptly notified of the same and now raises the lawsuit to seek justice and remedy. Where does arbitration come in? The NFL's constitution and bylaws require that claims between employees and teams are subject to arbitration and Flores likely agreed to do as much as part of his contract with the league. This provides a procedural hurdle to Flores ever getting his day in court. But there may be another avenue of attack that may allow Flores to find a way to appear in court. However, for now, we'll have to just wait and see. But one thing is for certain, this won't be the last we hear of this story, and we'll keep you updated when there's more news to share. All right, before we get out of here, it's time for our Black History Month segment. This time, we talk about another legendary figure, Miss Ida B. Wells. Wells was an American investigative journalist, educator, and early leader in the civil rights movement. She was one of the founders of the NAACP and over the course of her lifetime dedicated to combating prejudice and the violence and for black equality, especially for women, she became re- arguably the most famous black woman in America. She was born an enslaved person in Holly Springs, Mississippi, but was freed in the aftermath of the Civil War and became a journalist. She led an anti-lynching crusade throughout the 1890s, took civil rights matters all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court as a plaintiff, seeking remedy against segregation, and was the founder of the Chicago Alpha Suffragette Club, what is thought to be one of the first black women's suffrage groups. She was a coalition builder, but was renowned for her insistence that the demand for justice must be aided by greater society, but should be won by black people themselves. Perhaps a perfect representation of this ideology is one quote by Wells where she said, One had better die fighting against injustice than to die like a dog or a rat caught in a trap. We salute you, Ida B. Wells, and your legacy lives on. That's it for Dispute Digest, and hey, I'm kind of loving this jazzy music here, we might have to make that something more common. Don't forget to follow Tales of the Tribunal on LinkedIn and drop us a note at tribunal at gmail.com if you have comments or feedback. Until next week, this has been Disputes Digest by Tales of the Tribunal. None of the views shared today or in any episode of Disputes Digest is presented as legal advice nor advice of any kind. No compensation was provided to any organization or party for their inclusion on the show, nor do any of the statements made represent any particular organization, legal position, or viewpoint. All interviewees or organizations included appear on an arm's length basis and their appearance should not be construed as any bias or preferred affiliation with the host or host's employer. All rights reserved.